This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 170. So this week, we are doing the weekly news and rumors roundup from the big four rumor sites of Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors for Sunday, July 25th, 2021. So let's get into this and see what Canon Rumors has in store for us for this week. Let's do this. First up, patent a compact shutter assembly for a small form factor RF mount ILC camera. Canon News has uncovered a detailed patent showing what looks to be a compact shutter assembly for a small form factor RF mount camera. This shutter assembly is extremely small, and Canon News thinks the design is also very cost-effective and would make a lot of sense in the sub-$800 full-frame RF mount camera that I reported on a little while ago. As you can see from the images below, the camera body that they use for illustration is quite small, maybe a little bit bigger than the EOS M6 Mark II. Keep in mind that illustrations used in this context aren't always an accurate depiction of what we may see this technology built into. An RF mount camera in this form factor is missing from the lineup and could give us an idea of how Canon plans to replace the EOS M lineup, which is still up for discussion, or reduce the cost of a full-frame body and appeal to a different kind of customer. Now, me personally, I think this is some exciting news. I've been saying for a while now, as has Jared Poland, that Canon needs to come up with a sub $800 full frame camera. They could really, at that point, put the screws to Sony and Nikon, both if they came out with a full frame camera like this. Now, it's a good possibility this could be a crop body EOS R mount camera, but I'm hoping that it's a sub 800 full frame camera because that would make a lot of uh, consumers extremely excited, especially those that are more hobbyist photographers than paid professionals. Patent telephoto lens add-on for a smartphone. Last year, a design for a telephoto lens smartphone add-on appeared in very basic renders. Canon News has now uncovered a patent showing this add-on in great detail. With what we've seen Canon do with the likes of the PowerShot Zoom and the PowerShot Pix, Pick, they may have uh, they may have shown that they're not afraid to try new products and form factors to see how the market responds. With the traditional PowerShot lineup all but dead, it looks like these are the type of products Canon is going to be trying, as well as trying to figure out how to appeal to the smartphone photographer. The key to anything like this is good usability and affordable price, and most importantly, better optical performance over a phone camera like Samsung's Galaxy S21 Ultra, which sports a 102 megapixel image sensor and 100 times zoom. Now, there are some interesting diagrams of this potential new product in this article, and, and you'll be able to find this and all the articles in the show notes for today's episode, as usual, so you can check them out for yourself. 
Next up, the Canon EOS R3 at the Tokyo Olympic Games. In case you hadn't heard, a little camera company named Canon has a new mirrorless camera coming in the near future. It is called the Canon EOS R3. This new camera is in the camera bags of photographers at the Tokyo Olympic Games that opened today. Now, this article is from uh, July 24th, just to let you know. Um with athletes waving to seats. One photographer that has the Canon EOS R3 in his bag is the highly regarded Jeff Cable. Jeff has had the pleasure of shooting the Olympics in Beijing, Vancouver, London, Sochi, Rio de Janeiro, uh, Pyeongchang, and now Tokyo. Jeff Cable's gear for the Tokyo Games, EOS R3, EOS R5, EOS 1DX Mark III, images used with permission, of course, uh, from Jeff Cable Photography. Oh, Jeff's blog, he has posted his first shots of the Olympic Games at the water polo event with a Canon EOS R3. Jeff is using the R3 and a Canon EOS R5 as his main cameras with the Canon EOS 1DX Mark III run as his backup or third camera body. You can check out his gallery of images at the accompanying link in the show notes. My inbox is filling up with lots of R3 in the wild content. I will do my best to parse through it all and keep you up to date on any good content about the R3 in the real world. Keep in mind that the photographers using the R3 are under an NDA or non-disclosure agreement and aren't likely allowed to publish full resolution images or give us any more information other than what's already out there. You can follow Jeff for more EOS R3 content on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So it is exciting. I'm not at all shocked that the R3 is in the handful of a number of professional photographers at the Tokyo Olympics. They are also more than likely Canon ambassadors uh, or Canon Explorers of Light, which is Canon's ambassador program. Generally, only Canon ambassadors get to beta test their new cameras before they officially release them. Next up, Canon Instant Rebates coming to EOS R cameras and lenses in September. I've been told to expect an instant rebate program on EOS R and RF glass starting in September in both Canada and the United States. I do not know what other countries will have these programs, but I imagine this is going to be a very aggressive Christmas shopping season for many consumer product industries. The backlog of lens orders should be sorted out by the end of August, I have been told by a few retailers, though predicting demand is still a bit precarious. The rebates won't be huge, but I do expect to see both the R6 and the R5 included in these rebate programs. And again, this is something to me personally... Uh, would not be surprised to see, uh, especially after all the BS with the pandemic and everything. It's not unusual to start hearing rumors that we're going to see rebates this fall because these retailers and manufacturers need to make up some of the money they lost during the global pandemic uh, situation. So it's not surprising that there will be some rebates coming, and that is exciting news for everybody. Next up, he ain't lying. The new or the best prime lens, period, by Peter McKinnon. And you can watch Peter's video on his YouTube channel. Peter McKinnon has released a review of sorts of the Canon RF 50mm F1.2L USM a lens that he claims in the title that it's the best prime lens, period. I also completely agree with him. It's rare that I don't have the Canon RF 50mm 1.2L USM on my R5. 
These are the specs and key features. The Canon RF 50mm f1.2 LUSM, fixed focal length lens with high image quality and bright f1.2 aperture for the EOS R system. Minimum focusing distance of 1.31 feet or 0.40 meters. Control ring for direct setting changes, three spherical elements and one UD element. 12-pin communication system, dust and water resistant with fluorine coating. Air sphere coating or ASE. Minimizes lens flare and ghosting and a fixed focal length of 50 millimeters. You can buy the lens at the Canon website for $2,299. Now, I did want to let you know I did watch Peter McKinnon's video. I love his videos. I enjoy watching them very much. He's a great guy. He's very fun and exciting and informative in his videos. And I do with, agree with him 100%. The RF 50mm 1.2 is a phenomenal lens. It's one of the lenses that I use all the time as well. It is great at 1.2 wide open. It has creamy bokeh. It's just an exceptional lens. And I do also agree with him on his on the disadvantages of the lens. Um, you don't want to use it for shooting video if you're trying to capture audio without using a separate microphone system uh, because of the fact that the autofocus is fairly noisy and it does hunt quite a bit, especially when you're trying to use it for video. It's no big deal if you're doing stills, but for video, it is an issue. Issue. So if you want to check out his video, you'll be able to find it on his YouTube channel or you can get the link directly from this article in the show notes so that you can check it out for yourself. Next is there is still discussion internally at Canon about an APS-C EOS R camera. There have been countless rumors and opinions of whether or not Canon will be bringing an APS-C camera with an RF mount to the market to take the place of the Canon EOS 7D series of DSLRs. Most of the information has been quite vague through the years. I have been told that Canon has actively been doing market research with select pros and others to see if there's a real demand for such a camera. The EOS M line of Canon cameras is in a state of unknown, though I have reported a few times that the EOS M lineup will ride off into the sunset in its current form in favor of the RF mount. There are zero plans for Canon to make RFS lenses, and I think this makes a ton of sense. I still think we're going to see one someday, but I don't know what sort of timeline we're looking at. Canon still needs to work on the full frame lineup, especially when it comes to new and affordable camera bodies to replace the EOS R and the RP. I have more information on this topic than I'm going to keep internal for the moment while I try to pry some information from various sources. Now, I do agree with this article 100%. I think it only makes sense that Canon's going to eventually retire the EOS M line. It doesn't make sense for them to make two lines of mirrorless cameras with two different mounts. And I never really understood the whole reason for going with the M-mount line to begin with. Um, and I do agree. I think it's a great idea that Canon's not looking to make RFS lenses. I think that would be a huge waste of time, money, and resources. If they're going to release EOS uh, R cameras in a crop body form factor with a crop sensor, I think they should just stick with one type of EOS, uh, RF lenses and call it a day. 
Now, a lot of your crop body shooters do prefer to buy full frame lenses anyways. That way, if they want to eventually upgrade to full frame, they don't have to get rid of all their lenses and start all over again. So that only makes sense as well. So I think this is something that we're going to see coming in the near future. It's just that as the owner of Canon Rumor says, no idea what kind of timeline we're looking at. Next up, Canon Boost Forecast Printer and Camera Demand is Strong. Canon Inc., the company at a board of directors meeting held on July 19, 2021, revised the consolidated results forecast for the fiscal year ending December 31, 2021 that it released on April 26, 2021 as follows. Reason for revision. In the second quarter of 2021, as was the case in the first quarter, sales of inkjet printers, which continue to be in high demand due to even more people working and learning from home globally, grew strongly. Additionally, even amid restrictions on activities linked to the COVID-19 pandemic, interest in and demand for cameras increased, resulting in sales remaining strong in each region, particularly for full-frame mirrorless cameras and interchangeable lenses. The company is also posting sales growth of other products such as medical and semiconductor lithography equipment thanks to favorable market conditions amid inflation caused by a shortage of goods. We expect the favorable market environment to continue in the second half of the year. Additionally, more people getting vaccinated is expected to bring the number of people commuting to offices back, resulting in print demand recovering in the office market space. Based on these assumptions, the company has revised its full-year consolidated results forecast. This notice contains forward-looking statements with respect to future results, performance, and achievements that are subject to risk and uncertainties and reflect management's views and assumptions formed by available information. All statements other than the statements of historical fact are statements that could be considered forward-looking statements. When used in this document, words such as anticipate, believe, estimate, expect, intend, may, plan, project, or should, and similar expressions as they relate to canon are intended to identify forward-looking statements. Many factors could cause the actual results, performance, or achievements of canon to be materially different from any future results, performance, or achievements that may be expressed or implied by such forward-looking statements, including, among others, changes in general economic and business conditions, changes in currency, exchange rates, and interest rates, the introduction of competing products by other companies, lack of acceptance of new products or services by Canon's targeted customers, inability to meet efficiency and cost reduction objectives, changes in business strategy, and various other factors, both referenced and not referenced in this notice. A detailed description of these and other risk factors is included in Canon's annual report on Form 20-F, which is on file with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. Should one or more of these risk or uncertainties materialize, or should underlying assumptions prove incorrect, actual results may vary materially for those described herein. Canon does not intend or assume any obligation to update these forward-looking statements. So, uh, a lot of lot of jargon. Revision of consolidated results forecast for fiscal year ending December 2021. Previous forecast net sales 3.5 billion, uh, operating profit 198 million or 
Now ah, that list says uh, 3.5 million. I'm sorry, 198,000. That doesn't sound right though. Um, before tax, 211,000. Net income, 140,000 per share, 133.89. Revised forecast, 3.6 million. Operating profit, 283,000. Uh, before tax, 298,000. Net income, 201,000. And per share of 192.23 dollars. Change. 100,000 uh, net sales, 85,000 operating profit, 87,000 before tax, 61,000 net income, and $58.34 per share. Percent change, 2.9%. Uh, net sales, 42.9% operating profit, 41.2% before tax, 43.6% net income, and 43.6% per share. For reference, fiscal 2020 was $3,160,243 net sales, $110,547 operating profit, $130,280 before tax, $83,318 net income, and $79.37 per share. And the source, of course, is Canon Incorporated. Now, I do think this is interesting, and I'm not surprised that Canon is seeing a better market right now, better sales, better uh, projections, uh, that they're making more positive projections towards the end of the year uh, because of all the reasons listed in this article. I think it's exciting news for Canon and hopefully the other camera companies are experiencing a boom in the second half of this year as well, but we'll have to wait and see. And last up for Canon Rumors for this week, Gordon Lang reviews the two, quote, new big white lenses for the RF mount. Back in April, Canon officially announced the Canon RF 400mm f2.8 LISUSM and the Canon RF 600mm f4 LISUSM telephoto lenses. Both of these lenses are basically a rework of their EF counterparts. Gordon Lang was luckily, and luckily enough to spend some quality time with these new lenses and give us his impression in the video above. An interesting note about these new lenses, Gordon mentions is that the native RF mount allows more power to get to the autofocus motors, making them faster. By the sounds of it, this will be a camera dependent and will not and will likely be available starting with the EOS R3. Now, I haven't had a chance to check out Gordon's video yet, but I highly recommend you stop by and check it out, especially if you're interested in buying or renting either one of those behemoth lenses. All right, now we're going to head on over to Nikon Rumors and see what they have for us for this week. First up, interesting, Nikon to release new camera with GNSS or Global Navigation Satellite System. I have already reported on the new Nikon N2014 camera being registered with different government agencies. The latest bit of information on that camera is actually very interesting. In addition to the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, the N2014 will be also equipped with GNSS. GNSS stands for Global Navigation Satellite System. As far as I know, no other manufacturer uses GNSS in their cameras. Could the N2014 be the upcoming Nikon Z9? See what the difference between GNSS and GPS. GNSS stands for Global Navigation Satellite System and is the standard generic term for satellite navigation systems that provide autonomous geospatial positioning with global coverage. This term includes, e.g., the GPS, GLOSS-NAS, Galileo, uh, Baidu, and other regional systems. GNSS is a term used worldwide. 
the advantage is having access to multiple satellites is accuracy, redundancy, and availability at all times. Those satellite systems don't often fail. If one fails, GNSS receivers can pick up signals from other systems. Also, if line of sight is obstructed, having access to multiple satellites is also a benefit. Common GNSS systems are GPS, GLOSS, NAS, Galileo, Beidou, and other regional systems. GPS, the United States Global Positioning System, consists of up to 32 medium Earth orbit satellites and six different orbital planes, with the exact number of satellites varying as older satellites are retired and replaced. Operational since 1978 and globally available since 1994, GPS is currently the world's most utilized satellite navigation system. So it is interesting that it looks like uh, Nikon might be releasing a new camera with uh, GNSS in it. Um, that would be exciting. I'm not sure why Canon opted to leave uh, GNSS or GPS technology out of the R5 and R6. It made no sense to me, especially when their DSLR bodies have GPS capabilities. So looks like Nikon might be the first one to do it in their mirrorless full frame body. Nikon Z7 IBIS performance compared to other cameras. The German photo magazine published in their August edition available on Amazon an interesting test comparison of the IBIS and the Nikon Z7 II with other mirrorless cameras. The Nikon Z7 II was the best performer with perfect results up to 7 EV. They promised only up to 5 EV. Canon and Sony didn't reach their expectations. The Sony A9 camera actually looked disappointing. Green equals very good. Yellow equals good or okay and red not so sharp click for a larger view of the chart the nikon z7 II looks like it is i see i don't know i'm kind of torn on this because i don't know if i would believe this article that the z7 II um, has better ibis performance than sony or canon especially sony because they've had it in their cameras for quite a while i think i would actually have to have one of each manufacturer's cameras and do my own test and comparison but there you have it from photo magazine so take that with a grain of salt in my opinion and i'm not saying that to bash the magazine that's just my personal opinion Next up, Capture One 14.3 DxO Pure Raw 1.2 released Skylum Luminar AI Update 4 coming next week. Capture One released version 14.3. For more information, you can check the accompanying link. You can get 10% off Capture One products with code Nikon Rumors. DxO released Pure Raw version 1.2 with added support for several Nikkor lenses. More information at the accompanying link. Also, Nick Collection is still 30% off. Skylum will release Luminar. AI Update 4 next week with the new 3D Portrait Bokeh AI tool. A visual preview of textures, more controls for more accurate sky positioning, and more than 50 plus bug fixes. Skylum Luminar is now 40% off. Use code Nikon Rumors for an extra $10 off. So exciting news from each of these photography software companies. And I'll have to check it out because I don't think I updated my uh, Capture One yet. So I definitely need to do that. I got to get on the stick and get that software updated. All right, I'm going to take a short break here and and then I'll be right back with you for more from Nikon Rumors. 
We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. Next up, just announced Per Gear 60mm F2.8 Ultra Macro 2x Magnification APS-C Mirrorless Lens for the Nikon Z-Mount. Per Gear announced the new 60mm 2.8 Ultra Macro 2x Magnification Lens currently in stock at Amazon US, Amazon Canada, Amazon UK, and Amazon Denmark. $30 off at the official Per Gear online store with international shipping. There is an accompanying YouTube video from Pergear. Here are the lens technical specifications: focal length 60 millimeters, minimum aperture or maximum aperture. I'm sorry, f 2.8. Minimum focus distance approximately 19.1 centimeters to infinity. Maximum magnification two times. Angle of view 22.6 degrees. Optical design 11 elements in eight groups. Diaphragm blades is 10. Focus type is manual focus. Image stabilization, no. Filter size, 62 millimeters on the front. Dimensions, uh, 68 millimeters times 118 millimeters and a weight of approximately 600 grams. Two times magnification, manual focus. Life size, two times magnification. Maximum pairs with a uh, 19.1 centimeter minimum focusing distance to suit working with close-up subjects. Manual focus design along with focus distance and depth of, depth of field scales aids in precise focusing control. APS-C format lens, short telephoto prime is designed for APS-C format, Fuji X-mount mirrorless cameras and provides a 90 millimeter equivalent focal length, providing an all-in-one solution for normal portrait shooting as well as ultra macro photography. Optical design, its optical system contain, or consists of 11 elements in eight groups, including three high diffractive index elements that help to control spherical aberrations and reduce distortion in order to realize high sharpness and accurate rendering. Ideal aperture, bright f2.8 maximum aperture, suits working in a variety of lighting conditions and also contributes to the sleek form factor. A 10-blade diaphragm contributes to smooth and pleasing bokeh quality. Declicked aperture ring and multi-layer coating. The declicked aperture ring offers smooth, silent rotation throughout the aperture range, making it ideal for close-range video applications and shooting. The multi-layer coating has been applied to individual elements and reduces flare and ghosting in order to produce greater contrast and color accuracy when working in strong lighting conditions. Now, I'm not sure if this is a typo because this is an article on a lens for a Z-mount or a third-party lens for the Z-mount. And then in APS-C format, it says Fuji X-mount. So maybe it's available in both. It does look like an exciting lens. I don't own a Nikon Z or a Fuji X-mount camera, uh, but it does look like it would be a fantastic lens to pick up if you are shooting with either one of those platforms. So be sure to check it out for yourself. Next up, review Voking VK360N Flash for Nikon cameras. 
Uh, did you ever put an external flash on your mirrorless Nikon camera and thought, gosh, this thing's as big as my camera? Well, the Voking VX360N, now available for Nikon cameras and also available for other cameras, is a compact but fully featured flash that looks more in place with a compact camera. It is also handy for travel companion on a larger DSLR. Either way, you won't give up functionality for convenience. This flash is compatible with any camera that has a Nikon hot shoe with its small size, a full feature set, and a current price tag of $45.99 on Amazon. This flash should appeal to a broad spectrum of photographers. It is compatible with the latest Nikon professional full-frame DSLR cameras such as the D5, D6, D850, and the APS-C cameras such as the D500. It is also compatible with the mirrorless Z50, Z5, 6, 7, 6.2, and 7.2 cameras. And it is compatible with the D3400, 33, 32, 56, 750, 7 the 200, the 5300, the 5500, the 7100, and the D3100 and other Nikon DSLRs. For more information, visit the Amazon product listing. The size of the flash is about 4.25 inches by 2.5 inches by 1.5 inches or 110 by 65 by 35 millimeters, and its weight is 5.3 ounces or 150 grams without batteries. This flash has full ITTL compatibility. For most purposes, you can set it for ITTL, put it on your camera, and it just works. You can set exposure compensation in the ITTL mode. In addition, it all has all the features that you'd expect from a Nikon flash. It can be operated in full manual mode. It can act as a master to another flash or in slave mode. It has a repeat flash mode to enable multiple flashes while your shutter is open to capture the action. Voking calls this the strobe mode and it supports front and rear curtain sync modes. Even with the compact size of this flash, it has a decent amount of power. The guide number is 32 at 105 millimeter focal length and ISO 100 and the color temperature is 5600 Kelvin. Bounce flash is supported. You can easily rotate the flash from 60 to, uh, degrees left to 90 degrees right and from 7 degrees down to 90 degrees up adding the included diffuser will, diffuser will help even more to produce soft light. The screen is bright and easy to read, even in full sunlight, and the settings are easy to change. There is a modeling light that can help you pose a portrait, and it also has the ability to turn on an auxiliary light to use with videos. The video light isn't super bright, but it works well as a soft or fill-in light. This flash is powered by two AA batteries, rechargeable AANINMH. Batteries can be charged in the flash by using the USB plug. A set of batteries will last an estimated 100 to 100 or to 1500 flashes. What's in the box? The flash, a fabric bag with belt loop, diffuser, stand, manual, and a warranty card. So this is an exciting new flash. Not sure if it's the kind of flash I would buy. It's cost-effective, which I will give them credit for there. And it sounds like it could be a great tool for those looking to get speed lights on a budget. But me personally, after switching to the Godox VN860 Mark IIs, I just love the idea of having a speed light that has a removable rechargeable battery pack that's extremely large and lasts for a very, very long time on a single charge. And last up from Nikon rumors, the Nikon ZFC camera with Nikkor Z28 f2.8 lens delayed because of large number of reservations of beyond rec expectations. 
Nikon Japan issued notices that the new Nikon ZFC camera and the Nikon Nikkor Z 28mm f2.8 special edition lens have been delayed because of a large number of reservations that blew their expectations. A new release date was not provided, but here is the translated text. Thank you for your continued patronage of Nikon products. The ZFC 28 F2.8 Special Edition Kit, which is scheduled to be released in late July 2021, has received a large number of reservations beyond our expectations. And due to the delay in parts in supply, the supply amount is significant, uh, is insufficient for release. They got a typo there or mistranslated is not expected to be available. Therefore, we have decided to postpone the release. We will inform you of the release date as soon as it is confirmed. We sincerely apologize for any inconvenience caused to our customers who are waiting for our products. We will do our utmost to deliver the product as soon as possible, and we appreciate your understanding. And the source, of course, is Nikon Japan, and it has been translated via Google Translate. Nikon's notice about the ZFC camera delay. The first batch is still scheduled to ship to existing pre-orders on july 23rd um so it looks like some people will get their camera that have pre-ordered it the the camera and lens kit combo and others will not and that's just the nature of the beast i mean lately a lot of these new products from the various manufacturers have just had ridiculous amounts of demand that far exceeded the cust- the company's expectations so it looks like you'll just have to be patient a little while longer to get that particular kit All right, so now let's head on over to Fuji Rumors and see what he has for us for this week. First up, rumor Fujinon GF35-70 f4.5-5.6 with collapsible lens design. If you follow Fuji Rumors, you'll know that Fujifilm is preparing to launch the new Fujinon GF35-70 f4.5-5.6 lens. You'll also know it will cost you just $500 if bundled with the upcoming Fujifilm GFX 50S2. Well, thanks to our sources, today we can tell you that the Fujinon GF35-70 will be a collapsible lens. We know this design already from the Fujinon XC15-45 f35-56. For your convenience, down below is a recap of all the Fujifilm GFX 50S2 and Fujinon GF35-70 rumors and you can check those out for yourself now i'm not sure fuji hasn't said yet how much they're going to charge for the lens if you buy it separately because i'm of course as you know i'm already the owner of the gfx 50r and i do want this lens because i don't currently have a single zoom lens for my gfx mount and i really really want one and a 35 to 70 would be fantastic so i'm keeping my fingers crossed that they don't hike the price too high for those of us that already have a gfx camera maybe we'll get lucky and they'll surprise us surprise us at the last minute and offer us the lens for the same 500 price that would be fantastic Next up, Tamron Manager's interview, Fujifilm Market is sufficiently large, we plan more X-mount lenses and more Tamron 18-300 to images. In a Japanese interview to DC Watch, Tamron talks about them entering the Fujifilm X-series market with the brand new Tamron 18-300 to F35-63 DI-3A-AVC VXD lens. Down below, you can find the summary based on Google Translate. You will also find more images that show the lens mounted on the super small Fujifilm XS10, as well as a fully extended to 300 millimeters. 
Note that Tamron says the Fujifilm X market is big enough, hence they will release more X-mount lenses in the future. Uh, they will not uh, unveil what those will be at this time. The Fuji Rumors community voted on their top 10 Tamron and Sigma wishes already. You can find the results at the accompanying link. The Tamron 18-300 F35-63 is available at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. Developing the lens for the Fuji X mount, Tamron started developing this lens over a year ago when Fujifilm decided to share the X mount protocols to third parties. They want to develop products that are easy to use and reasonably priced. Sony has a large market, but also Fujifilm has a significantly large market to make it, good, make it a good business decision. Customers asked Tamron to expand also to other mounts. Tamron chose a super zoom to start with because Fujifilm itself already uh, only offers the XF18 to 135, F35 to 56 in terms of high magnification zooms. The Tamron 18 to 300, 35 to 63 supplements Fujifilm's uh, current lineup. If you want to shoot with one lens only and make space in your camera bag when you travel, the Tamron 18 to 300 is ideal. The Tamron 18 to 300 has an ergonomic design that is designed to give users a feeling of warmth and familiar familiarity within their hands. Reducing the size and weight, there are many small, lightweight, high-performance mirrorless cameras that are on the market, so this lens has to be small, too. The first prototype was much larger. The maximum diameter of the first prototype was 80.5 millimeters. But after repeating the design and interaction many times, Tamron was finally able to reduce it to, the size while, to this size while maintaining the optical performance and operability. The filter diameter is also 67 millimeters, which makes it common to other Tamron products. The weight will be about 620 grams, making it possible to shoot with one hand, even though the manager does not recommend it. We have achieved weight reduction by arranging metal parts and engineering plastic parts in appropriate places while balancing product strength and weight. Incredible close-up performance showed a shooting distance of 0.15 meters at the wide end of the 18 millimeters and a working distance of about 5 millimeters. It's millimeters, not centimeters. If you have a filter attached, you can get close enough to make contact. The goal was to also improve close-up photography performance. It's natural for smartphones to come close to us, so I think many people will accept products that have virtually no restrictions on the shortest shooting distance. However, during close-up photography, the attached filter may come into contact with the subject or the lens may hit. Motors inside the lens. This is the world's first high magnification zoom for APS-C mirrorless cameras. Mirrorless lenses need to move the focus lens group directly with the motor. Another motor is required for opening and closing aperture blades and another motor for image stabilization mechanism or VC. So a total of three motors are built in. If this is not arranged properly, the lens barrel will become thick. In order to drive the optical system with a small motor, it is necessary to make the focus system uh, lens group as light as possible. Although there are restrictions on the focus lens group, it was a difficult design to require high-dimensional image quality that matches the latest high-performance cameras. Downsizing the lens was the biggest challenge. 
image quality for high magnification zoom, it is necessary to expand and contract the lens barrel as each zoom group moves along the cam. The zoom magnification is 16.6 times, so the amount of movement for each zoom group is much larger than the Tamron 28 to 200 released last year for full frame. Plus, it also has a built-in image stabilization, which makes it more difficult to design. Image quality is at the highest level compared to Tamron's other super zooms. Seven lens uh, for image quality, but Tamron has succeeded in controlling the movement of each complicated group with a high accuracy and smoothness. Image quality is definitely not bad. You can take advantage of the digital correction that is unique to mirrorless cameras, but even if you do not use it, the image quality is high enough to cover the performance of the latest digital cameras. Autofocus performance, it's the first super zoom of Tamron to use the new uh, linear motor VXD vo uh, voice coil extreme torque drive. The VXD was first used in our Tamron 70 to 180 F28 DI3 VXD, but it was well received for its extremely fast and accurate autofocus. Tamron does not think you will be dissatisfied with the AF performance. VXD is a linear motor. It can significantly suppress noise compared to the other motors, even when shooting movies. The future, we are also planning other X-mount lenses. I can't say when, but I hope you look forward to it. You can buy the Tamron 18-300 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama, and there are some fantastic images of the lens, as well as some of the technical diagram diagrams, which you can find in the show notes for this episode. So definitely an exciting bit of news from Tamron for those Fuji X-mount shooters. Next up in stock, Lawa Argus 33mm f095. The Lawa Argus 33mm f095 is now in stock at B&H Photo. If you prefer, you can get it directly at the Venus Optics Store. It is available for $499 at B&H. And it does look like a fantastic lens. Uh, I have used Lawa lenses before and was very impressed with their capabilities. Uh, I did eventually sell my 17 millimeter uh, Lawa lens to get the GF 23 millimeter uh, in the, from Fuji, but that's just because I had a specific need for it. But don't get me wrong, the Lawa lens was a fantastic lens, and I do sometimes miss it. Next up, Tamron 18-300mm f3.5-6.3 for Fujifilm X listed at B&H Photo as coming soon. Key features, X-mount lens APS-C format, 27mm to 450mm, 35mm equivalent. Aperture range f3.5-6.3, moisture resistant construction, VC image stabilization, fluorine coating, a zoom ratio of 16.6 times, and a minimum focusing distance of 5.9 inches or 15 centimeters as I mentioned in the previous article. Next up, Voigtlander Nocton 35mm f1.2 pre-orders open. You can now pre-order the Voigtlander Nocton 35mm f1.2x for Fujifilm X mount at B&H Photo or uh, and it is also available from Amazon US and Adorama for $649 US. And finally, last up from Fuji rumors for this week, the Tamron 18 to 300 f35-63 versus Fuji Fujidon XF zoom size comparison and finally a different lens. A fourth brand after Zeiss, Biltrox and 
Tokina joined the Fujifilm X-Mount autofocus lens camp, and that's Tamron. The official announcement can be read at the accompanying link. New Fujifilm X-Mount third-party autofocus lens group, but unlike the other brands, Tamron decided to make something that you can't really find covered in the Fujifilm X system, the Tamron 18-300. That's a smart move, and I believe Tamron has potentially a big seller to drop on the market in 2021. I have also made a rough size comparison with other Fujifilm on uh, zooms, the XF 18 to 135, the XF 15 to two or 55 to 200, and the XF 70 to 300. The XF lens comparison is taken from camera size. I added the Tamron myself. So it is interesting, and all of the lenses are fairly close to the same physical size. Um, and as I mentioned a moment ago, it is exciting to see Tamron making a new super telephoto lens for the Fujifilm X-Mount. And now to wrap up today's episode, let's head on over to Sony Alpha Rumors and see what they have for us. First up, the Sony a7R4 with the Pentax limited lenses. Map Camera posted a set of image samples shot with the nice Pentax limited lens series. Check them out on their website. So a fairly short article. Uh, does look interesting. The silver lenses look kind of cool on the black Sony a7R4 body. So it is kind of a cool contrast of those lenses and that body together. Next up, three Kickstarter projects, Copy Speed Bag, Shimoda Bag, and the XTAR SN4. There are three projects on Kickstarter that might be interesting for you. The Copy Speed Photo, uh, Copy Speed's Photo Hiker. This is a project I can vouch for as I personally know the person behind Copy Speed for years now, and he just launched his new hiking backpack for photographers on Kickstarter. You can now buy the new Shimoda Explora V2 photographer's bag on Kickstarter as well and let's see here the xtar sn4 7 and 1 multiple camera battery charger on charger to ch one charger to charge them all you can pre-order it on kickstarter here so these are all some definitely definitely some exciting products and i'm seriously thinking about picking up the xtar sn4 because it would be nice to have a four battery charger that can charge four different types of batteries at the same time in other words four different battery models it would be nice to be able to charge my lpe6 series batteries for my eos r and my r6 and be able to charge the batteries for the rp and the fujifilm gfx 50r if it's possible to charge all of those batteries on a single four battery charger it looks like it is possible it comes with a crap ton of adapters for various batteries so i've got to get over there and check that out on kickstarter and see what kind of price tag they have on that bad boy next up limited time deal the think tank uh think tank is taking 15 percent off all of their urban access backpacks think tank is giving you 15 percent off on the urban access backpacks urban access slings and urban approach backpacks the sale ends august 2nd and is only while supplies last you can get the bags at thinktakephoto.com and those bags are extremely popular i know my friend brent bergram from the latitude photography podcast loves their bags as does Sharky James from the Petapixel Photography Podcast. So you might want to head over there and check them out. I haven't picked up a Think Tank bag yet myself, but I may do so at some point, uh, though I have a lot of camera bags. 
Next up, first real-world images of the Tamron 18 to 300 millimeter APS-C e-lens mount or e-mount lens. And of course, this is the same lens I was talking about in the Fuji Rumors segment. It is also available in the Sony e-mount, and you can check out the images in this article in the show notes for yourself. Next up, Voigtlander APO Lanthar 50mm F2 FE review by LensTip. Quote, outstanding results practically in every testing category. You can pick up this lens at B&H Photo for $1,049. We have a ton of 50mm E-mount lenses, but I guess very few of you would ever consider this one from Voigtlander. But from, uh, from the pure specs point of view, it's nothing exciting, but this is a Lanthar lens, which means it's meant to be a lens with a superb resolution. Lens tip tested the new Voigtlander 50mm FE lens and concluded, quote, the Voigtlander APO Lanthar 35mm F2 spherical lens tested by us was not so long ago and was an outstanding lens. At that time, it was difficult to imagine a better performance. Its 50mm brother, though, showed clearly that it is completely possible to fare even better. It managed to achieve an excellent or outstanding results practically in every testing category apart from vignetting. Even the Voigtlander's APO Lanthar 2-50 high price tag amounting to about $1,050 is not able to change our favorable assessment of this lens. In this case, we feel it's such a high quality is worth paying for. When a lens comes with a long list of assets and is practically devoid of flaws, we always grant it our Editor's Choice badge. We feel the Voigtlander fully deserves it. And as I mentioned at the top of the article, you can buy that lens at B&H Photo. And last up for this week, rumor the ZV E10 might be announced next week. It's all uh, it's all had been a mess with the continuous ZV E10 launch postponements, but now I've heard there might be a chance the camera will be announced next week. Here is the camera introduction video, which you can check out on YouTube. Now, as I warned my listeners before, always take Sony rumors with a grain of salt. And I'm not saying that to be cruel, but the Sony rumor site does have only about a 5% rumor accuracy hit rate. So I guess we'll have to wait and see if this camera will actually be announced next week or not. This article is from July 22nd, so it is definitely this coming week that he's referring to. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. 
right. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Google Podcasts and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. I also wanted to remind you to stop by and check out the Liam Photography YouTube channel. I did just post my most recent product review on the Lux CEO Light Photography Light, which is a fantastic product. I posted that about a week ago. It's already got 4,100 uh, 4, plus views, which is phenomenal. And I want to thank all of my listeners that support my YouTube channel. I greatly appreciate that. Also, remember, you can stop by the LiamPhotography.net online store and pick up a signed copy of my first book, The Forgotten Pieces of Georgia in the Northwest Counties, or you can get an unsigned copy from Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Now, when you stop by the YouTube channel, please remember to subscribe, like the video, share them out, comment on them, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. You can do the same for Forgotten Pieces of Georgia and Pennsylvania. That would be greatly appreciated. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and I will see you all again on Thursday.